Welcome back to the Read Along series. We are on our third week. We are plowing in this discussion. And so mm-hmm. I've got Ben joining me again. What's up, Ruth? My, my partner in crime today. I'm grateful for that. Um, and so looking at this discussion, we're going to talk about creation and fall mm-hmm. um, because there is a narrative here that Christians need to engage with because there's a narrative of the world and then there's God's narrative for us. And we are trying to bring people into the conversation of God's narrative because that's where there's hope. Exactly. And so that's the, that's the rejoicing here. And Ben and I, before we got started said, man, there's anything we want people to hear is that we're not better. Yeah. And that we needed the same narrative to be illuminated to us so that we could know Christ and live in his fullness. And so in that conversation, Ben, I want you to kind of walk us through why does the creation matter in this mm-hmm. discussion? Yeah. So he goes back to creation. So we're, we're beginning the narrative of God, right? We're, we're, we're going all the way back. We're going back to the beginning. Um, as the, the story of scripture, the story of God um, and his interaction with man goes back to the beginning. And it's, it's different. And it's an entirely different story than that we hear in the transgender debate today, mm-hmm. right? And so creation matters. Um, it is a starting point and it was made good. Like that's how we have to begin with like God made the world and he made it good. So everything in this world was made good. And then finally with man, he said, it is very good. Yeah. For man and woman, he made together and he said it was very good. So God's grand design, his crowning piece of his creation was man and woman, right? Mm -hmm. It's on the the seventh, still on the sixth day, right? Right. And then we see that he had eternal rest in mind for man and woman, right? And so God made man and woman and they weren't just merely physical. Against our materialistic world set and worldview today, they're not merely materialistic, but they are embodied souls actually. So what we, what humans down deep, what we are, are embodied souls. Mm. What that means is that we have a soul. Our soul is our relationship with God. The way you relate with other people, your connection with other people. We are created for connection with God, for relationship with God. And we are embodied as we are people with our bodies. Yeah. You are your body, but you are far more than your body. Yeah. And, and that, we're, yeah, we're also sexual people. Exactly. Which was important because that can feel really separate from this mm-hmm. conversation. And, and, and under the category of embodied souls, as people, there's not just one. Yeah. Like God made Adam first, and then he made Eve. Mm. And God made Adam out of the dirt to the ground. But even the beginning of Adam and Eve are different. He, got, he created Adam out of the dirt from the ground, right? He made him to lead and to love and to serve. And then he came and he made... Eve out of the rib of Adam. So Eve came from the side of Adam. Mm-hmm. Not out of his head to be ruled over, not out of his feet to be stomped over, but out of his side to be to, to be loved, to be cared for, mm-hmm. to do life with. And so God has this grand design, the making man and woman good. And so at the, at the end time, we see that. We see that man and woman create to image God, mm-hmm. right? And so we even go into, he references Ephesians 5 in this, that man and woman, God's grand design when he was thinking about man and woman was an image and a reflection mm-hmm. of Christ and the church. Yeah. Right? We see that. But when God created man and woman, he was thinking at the end of the story, right? To the, to the end of the story, what the worship for eternity would be, would be the marriage between Christ and his church. Yeah. And the earthly marriage, the earthly union, the earthly man and woman is an image of that. Mm. And lastly, another thing that he brings up that's key and critical to our theology of the body or how we understand us in creation making man and woman is the resurrection of Christ, mm. right? Like God himself took on a body. The second person, the Trinity came down and became incarnate in the Virgin Mary. He entered into a woman and he came as a man, yeah. right? Like he came through a woman, he came as a man and he sees that the, the resurrection is, sorry, the incarnation is utterly essential, mm. right? For God to save man, 
man was corrupted, God had to become man. Hmm. And that's what we see. And, and the God's grand story involves our body, right? Yeah. When we look at the hope, right, of 1 Corinthians 15, the hope of our even life is the resurrection. It's not that we'll mystically go off somewhere. It's not that our souls will just leave our bodies and we'll be floating in heaven forever. Actually, the hope of the Christian faith is that we'll be raised with Christ one day and that we'll be eternally with him in the very body that we live in now. Hmm. It'll be a new and glorified body, but you will still be Ruth Huber. Yeah. And I will still be Ben Berlaga, but we'll be in our glorified bodies. And so God's grand design, right, is for the body. And Paul says, if Christ has not raised risen from the dead, like we have no hope, we have no faith because our faith is that we too will rise from the dead. Yeah. Right? So the whole grand story of scripture has bodies as critically essential. And that's why it's so crucial to understand the worldview, how it's opposing to the transgender debate. Yeah. And recognizing that we were created bodily on purpose and you were Mm -hmm. created within your sex on purpose. And so when I read through this chapter and the following chapter, what really came to mind and what was really clarified for me is that we aren't just embodied, but we are also sexed on purpose, male, yeah. male and female. And our gender and our sexual identities reveal something about the gospel and how Jesus loves the church. And then finally, it was this like acceptance for the sake mm-hmm. of obedience is that therefore our acceptance of our embodied nature and our sexual nature is an act of obedience and a trust in our creator. Say that one more time. Yeah. So For those in the back. Say for the people in the back. Therefore, our acceptance of our embodied nature and our sex is an act of obedience mm-hmm. and a trust in our creator's purpose. Yeah. Um, and so for someone who's experiencing something different within them, so their mind is not connecting to their, mm-hmm. to their, their birth gender, mm-hmm. for that person— our reach to them is to say, hey, we recognize that the fall happened. Exactly. We recognize that our minds, our bodies, and our hearts are distorted, which moves us into chapter four. And so it's important to be able to see, man, hey, within the narrative of the gospel, we recognize that we're jacked up. Yeah. Every single one of us is broken to the core. And therefore, we'll do anything to help ourselves be what we'd call fine. Yeah. Like that is the human condition is this climbing out of an unending pit mm-hmm. to be okay. And we're not able to do that. Yeah. And that's where we see this fall is like this damned place Yeah, that all human beings experience. And in that, from that broken place, there's this conversation of the Lego model versus the art restoration model. Yeah. How do you think that point? So we're seeing that we're marred. Yeah. How does the art restoration model versus the Lego model kind of change how we view this conversation. Totally. So we, we say that we are made in the image of God. We, we explain these beautiful things, but then when we look into reality, we're like, we don't see that. Mm-hmm. We don't see that. And, and it, can go, it can go even beyond the transgender debate. You look into to unhealthy marriages. You look into sexual temptations. You look into these things, you're like, wow, we are not living the way that we ought to live. We are not living. We obviously are living after the fall. Something had to change from this beautiful and original intent God had for us. Um, and the, the two responses that we can have that he gives in the book are the Lego kit model and the art restoration model. And so what the Lego kit model is, is, well, let's build something. Let's figure it out. Yeah. Let, let, let's make ourselves something. Yeah. We grab out that box of Legos and we can see what we can build. We can see how we can express ourselves. We search yeah. really deep into ourselves, find our self-autonomy, self-expression, and we show that. We build that. We make that. Yeah. The art restoration model, on the other hand, is saying, hey— 
there's something good. There's something true. There's something beautiful, but it is dusty. It is dirty. It is whacked up. And we need to figure that out. We need to clean that up. So both of them take work. Mm -hmm. Both of them are trying to get somewhere. One is saying, what can I create? What can I make? Is saying that, and then not recognizing there's something inherently bad. But the other saying, hey, there's something bad right there, but we understand that we are inherently, we were created good. Yeah. And there's something good, true, and beautiful that we need to go back and we need to discover. Yeah. And that is God's story. That is God's grand design. So we need yeah. to wipe off the dust. We need to take out that paint and maybe relayer some layers. Yeah. But we need, we need to fight for the art restoration model in yeah. our Christian faith. And one of the beautiful things is that what you could hear in this is that it's us restoring ourselves, mm -hmm. but it's not. Yeah. Like the beauty is, is that we are the piece of art made in the image of God. Yeah. And the resurrected Jesus comes to us, illuminates our eyes and says, I've actually died so that you could be restored. Amen. Like Amen. I have come, I am cleansing you. Yeah. I am taking the dust off. I have paint yeah. that matches the original design of the father because me and the father are one. He knows yeah. the plan and he came in his blood bought power reveals and restores us. Yeah. Like, because I think we, the beauty is, is that we in ourselves cannot restore ourselves. Yeah. There is something good there, but there is also something very bad in an incompetence to heal ourselves and to mm -hmm. make ourselves more like what we were designed to be. But the beauty of the gospel is that he makes us more like him mm -hmm. as we seek him. Yeah. Um, which is just like so beautiful. So, with that then, Ruth, help us understand what the fall does though. So we, we saw in chapter three that we are created, we are beautifully created. There's, there's two responses to the fall, right? There's a Lego kit and the art restoration. And as Christians, we wanted to pursue the art restoration knowing that it is the Lord Jesus Christ who's ultimately restoring us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, but in chapter four, he really goes in, leans in and shows us the way that the fall has corrupted us. Yeah. We need to understand how the fall has corrupted us because it has affected all of us, including those, and it manifests itself within this transgender conversation. Yeah. So one of the, the key things is that we have disordered bodies, is that mm -hmm. our bodies long for things and are broken. And so we see in um, people who have incredible disabilities, we see in people that have, um, that are intersex, yeah. um, of their, their gender is not naturally revealed within their sex organs. And so that can be incredibly disorienting. Yeah. But we can recognize in light of the narrative of the fall that that is all possible. Yeah. That it is possible that a person is born without a, a gender that's naturally apparent to us, mm -hmm. but that doesn't give the argument that therefore, okay, gender is just this ideology that needs to be taught. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then we have disordered minds. We have broken minds that experience all pain um, and that that are incapable of finding health within them. And yeah. so we see that through depression. We see that through anxiety. We see that through um, someone experiencing gender dysphoria. We see that through all kinds of things. And then worst of all, we see we have disordered hearts. Yeah, We love the created more than we love the, the creator. Yeah, And so that we really see in Romans 1. Mm -hmm. which creates disordered actions. Yeah. And the, so that's a reality that we have to grapple with. Yeah. And, and so brokenness is through us through and through. Yeah. And that reality is really painful um, and really hard, but it's also, it puts us all in the same playing field. 
Yeah. That there is no one that is any better yeah. because of how they struggle with sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I completely agree. We we see this manifest itself in, in so many ways and distorted hearts, distorted minds, distorted bodies. And we see that we see the result of sin. And and we see for some people, these are these are real people. Mm-hmm. These are real people who are who are struggling with gender identity. They're struggling with who they are. They be, they actually believe that they are something outwardly that they're not inwardly. Yeah. And we might, yeah, we can pull back the curtain. We can we can see social pressures for this with the rise of it. There's a lot of things that we can go in and dialogue with, but we have to look at them and be like, they actually believe this. And you, you, there's a level of grace because they have a distorted mind yeah. in the same way that we do. They're not, not merely trying to have this movement, but the sin has affected them. They are image bearers of God. Yeah. You see the beauty of God on them but you also see the fall on them, just like he sees on each of us. Yeah, and this book really succinctly at the end kind of leaves this last line that says, hey, if you want to summarize this worldview, it's that we are created but fallen and we are made but marred. Hmm. One more time, for those in the back. (laughs) We are created but fallen and we are made but marred. Yeah. And so it's recognizing in the midst of our marring that we needed a rescuer. Yeah. And and we're going to talk next week about God's rescue plan. Yeah. And honestly, just closing there, I'm almost like, how can we not see that? Mm. Right? I like look into, I look at people, I can look into the world. You look at anything, right? And there's two things that I can't not see. And that's the God and the devil, mm. right? Like you look in this world and you're like, wow, there is no way that this just popped into being. Mm. There's no way that there's not a God who's over this, a God who's making, who's made this. Right, you look at an individual person, you see all the things about them that make them uniquely different, but you also see all these ways that they literally are able to survive. Like if one little thing's off, if one, one organ's gone, right, they can be dead in the heartbeat, right? So there's like the sense of they're clearly, into, like there's clearly a design behind them, but then we also can't not see the fall. We cannot see the devil because we look into the world and we see sin, we see depression, we see pain, we see suffering, we see things that are just utterly tragic, we look into other people and we see it in other people's lives too. Mm. For none is perfect, for all have been corrupted by sin. So this understanding of that we are created by God, but we are marred is what just is the backbone to all of our belief. Yeah. Right. We that's the starting point. We need to understand that. And it allows us to have grace because that's not just them, it's us. Yeah. 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 This narrative is an acceptance mm-hmm. of our story and an invitation for other people to see their story. Um yeah. to truly see their story. Um, in light of their creator, in light of their purpose, mm-hmm. and in light of their reason. They were designed, created, loved. Um, and Amen. Yeah, that's the invitation. And so, believers, we encourage you to think well um, and to love deeply um, because God is so good and he's so worthy of every part of us. Yeah. Um, and so we want to love him and serve him with everything we have. And so I am so grateful that we have just one left. We have just one left, and then we'll finish our read-along series. And so I just ask that you would prepare by reading chapters 5 and 6 before we discuss, because um, we can't wait uh, for your mind um, to, to love Christ more and to pursue Him wholeheartedly. Amen. So thank you so much.